Welcome back to Restorative Grief with Mandy Capehart. You are listening to episode 32 titled Mark Your Love with Jennifer Alamani. Jennifer Alamani is an author and native New Yorker with a heart for wellness. Before becoming an author, she spent over 20 years in human resources, but as her story progressed, so did her passion and focus in life. Her story of loss is one that teaches us how to uncover what lies beneath with insight on how to move through it with intention and compassion for ourselves along the way. The thing we need the most, right? This conversation reminded me of the value of a practice that I love but often neglect. So settle in and get ready for a great story. Hello and welcome back to Restorative Grief. I am here today with Jennifer Alamani. Hello, Jennifer. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for taking time to be on the show today. Um, for those of you who don't know who Jennifer is, I'm just going to ask you to take a second and introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm, uh, my name is Jennifer Alamani. I'm uh, an indie author. I just published my first book in April. I'm also a Reiki practitioner and, and a mentor right now. I'm formerly a human resources professional, actually, for 22 years, but that career just ended at the end of 2020. So I'm in a new uh, creative space right now. Oh, I love to hear the stories of the pivot, which I'm sure we'll hear a little bit of too. But I have a suspicion that you are not now an author because your career in HR ended in 2020. So you mentioned your book that just came out this last April, which is called Mark My Love. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, my boyfriend passed away about two and a half years ago now, and I started journaling about two, three months after his passing. Um, I've always been journaling my whole life, but this was different. I felt very drawn to do it every day. I felt something was pulling me that way. Uh, and then the writing was very rapid. It was very fast. The pen was moving very quickly. I was handwriting, and I knew it was something more than myself, and someone else was with me, I want to say. Um, and then that, that continued, I want to say, probably daily. And then five months later, at the end of 2019, I had a, a book on my hands. It wasn't my intent to write a book. And then I realized I was getting the nudge that I was meant to help people with my story. So then all of 2020 was just me thinking about, would I publish it? It was, I'm, I'm a very private person. Obviously, it's a memoir. I go into a lot of details of my life, so it was me working through that you know, would I do this and put this out into the world? And then I got the nudge again that I was meant to do this. So I I, I looked into self-publishing and then I went that route. When you say got the nudge, describe that to me. Oh, just this gut feeling. I, I had been asking myself for a while, what was my purpose? I knew that my, that long-term career I had in HR wasn't, I knew I wasn't completely fulfilled mm -hmm. or happy the whole time. And I had kept asking for a few years, even before his passing, I was asking what had been my purpose. It had been nudging me again, like just that little inkling in my gut, like something's not completely right. I'm not completely happy and fulfilled. And that's, that, that was the feeling. Once I, I wrote down and I was writing, it, it kind of clicked and it was like, this is, this is it. This is what you're meant to do for now. Um. Okay, so I have a question about the book itself. I am curious how much editing you did between that free form, I'm spilling my guts to my journal format to I'm putting this into book form for general consumption. Yeah, I didn't do a lot of editing. So if, mm. if you, you pick up the book, you'll see it's very raw. It's very conversational. It's like I'm having a mm. conversation with you right now, telling you a little mm. bit of my story. And I don't really, you know, I go into also the death of my mother, who was about 13 years ago, that I didn't really grieve her. And I realized it through grieving him. So a lot was coming up. So it was, it's, I realized at the end of the book, it, it wasn't just a journal and about loss. It was about love and a little parts of my life. You know, I'm, I'm a Latin American woman from New York City, raised, you know, my mom was a single mom. 
mom for that part of my life and a little bit of struggles. I, I touch upon that, you know, I kind of go into a little bit of my story of where I came from and then little struggles along the way and how love kind of got me through all of it. And then this last go around, like elevating love and looking at love differently in my life, which is why I titled the book, Mark My Love. I'm kind of tell, telling people out there, mark the love in your life, like mark it down and realize it while you're here and while the people are here that you love. Yeah. That's totally beautiful. How has the grief of your mom 13 years ago and the way you've navigated through losing your boyfriend, how has that informed the way you do mark yourself and mark love in your life and the way you interact with the people that you still have? Yeah, it's it's very different. I I cherish every day that I wake up. The gratitude that I have now has grown immensely. And I always have gratitude. I want to make that clear to everybody. I don't want anyone to think, oh, was she not thankful before I was? It's just elevated where I literally open up my eyes. And after saying good morning to my my dog, I, I, I thank God for waking me up and giving me another day. So I didn't do that when my mother passed. I was so drowning in my sorrow of missing her. I kind of never really got up past a certain point. I want to say in the grieving process. And I don't think there's a timeline in grieving either. I don't think there's an end point, but I don't think I elevated. I think I got stuck in this middle zone and I stayed there for quite some time, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I know that she was giving me messages here and there because I realize it now that he's there. I realized, oh, wait a minute. I connected the dots and realized, oh, wait a minute. You've been trying to talk to me for 13 years. And now I I wasn't listening because I didn't get to that, that point of elevating myself beyond that sadness, that deep sadness. Mm. Well, the deep sadness too can be such a safety, like a comfort, right? It can be a safety blanket when we don't know where to go forward in our losses and we don't know how to carry them forward. We at least can sit down and wrap up in them and remember and, and not dwell so much as just ruminate on what was and lament that lack of control to change any of it or what we've lost. So I completely understand why that would be a safe place to remain, even for a a very long time. How did writing the book and how did journaling actually shift your grieving process? I know you said you realized that there were things with your mother's death that were ungrieved. How did journaling give you these moments of aha like what kind of things caught your attention as you were journaling about your boyfriend's death that actually connected the dots for you and helped you find some movement yeah I think I realized at that point that I didn't really write a lot that whole time when she was Mm -hmm. gone so you're saying that 13 years I kind of I didn't stop completely but I wasn't writing as I used to so even just in that I wasn't acknowledging my feelings even on paper which is I guess how I used to do it my entire life I realized so with him I was just writing out how I was feeling, what was going on, you know, what had happened again in my life. He was the second person I lost to to cancer, you know, pretty quickly. So a lot was coming out about her. And then I realized, oh, I needed to document and get that out about her. And the time that I had left with her, I had 30 days from her being diagnosed to passing with cancer. And I hadn't really got out truly what I was feeling. I hadn't talked to anyone about it really because I went into this mode of, okay, there's family and there's other things going on when she passed. So then I just drowned myself in responsibilities and that was it. It was easy, right? So the journaling, it got those feelings back out. And that's how I knew it wasn't just about him. I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's a lot here. And then, you know, a lot also came out about myself. I realized I I had a lack of self-esteem. 
the lack of self-confidence and the lack of self-love. I discovered that through it too. So it was kind of like, I, I want to tell people, I felt as if, you know, my boyfriend went to the other side and it was kind of like, you know what, you've tried to clean out the closet before, but now we're really going to clean out the closet of your life, like everything. And that's, that's what's happened. And that's why everything is different now for me. Wow. Lack of self-confidence, self-love, and self-esteem. That's Those are significant things to wrestle with in the wake of grief as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize as, you know, as a young girl, I was criticized very early on about my body, right? Which happens mm-hmm. all the time, right? So that coming out in the book, first I realized like, oh my gosh, where did this come out of that? I realized I was struggling with this. And then that it came out in the book. I was like, well, why is this here? But then I realized, oh, it's supposed to be here. Because then I realized, oh, I was grieving for myself my entire life where I was never true to myself for a very long time. You're talking a, a young girl, like you're talking 10, 11 years old. So that's my whole life of having body image issues and then causing the lack of self-confidence because of that and then dampening the self-esteem. And the interesting part is like, no one really realized it in my life, right? I was, again, this HR professional, right? I had the suits on, I had the the perfect externally. It looked all like, wow, she has this together. And I did in some way. I want to say maybe I had the act together, (laughs) but (laughs) it wasn't completely, you know, together, right? And then now, now this girl has self-confidence walking down the street. Like people tell me that they can feel it. It's just, it's totally different. Yeah, it sounds like in a way that grief, falling apart inside of grief allowed you to actually restore and pick up the pieces in a new way that you didn't realize were actually by design. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So the whole thing was just being so eye-opening for me and so different. You know, I don't think any every grieving process, you know, obviously everyone will lose different people in your life, right? Multiple people. Right. But I think every grieving every grieving process will be different too. Obviously, I, you know, the grief of a mother and then the grief of a romantic partner is very different. And I realized that now, you know, too, I, I realized I had to be kinder to myself in different ways about both experiences because there was no right or wrong. It was just different. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I also lost my mother about almost six years ago now, very suddenly within four months of a diagnosis to the same disease. So I can definitely empathize on how much of a whirlwind that can be and diving. I love that you said you just protected yourself with responsibilities because that is exactly what I did too. It's, it's a, again, it's a safety blanket. It's that net that catches us and says, well, I can strong arm through this and absolutely avoid being present because being present means feeling all my feelings. I don't want to. Yeah. Um, you highlight the value of journaling so beautifully. And it's one of the things that I ask all my clients to do. It is something that's also extremely unapproachable for someone who is not already a writer. So I'm curious if you were to say to someone who is not a writer, who looks at the idea of journaling as a waste of time, what writing prompts or what would you, what advice would you give them to kind of start drawing them towards the importance of even starting that process, not with the purpose of writing a book, of course, but yeah, I I say, just start out small one, two, one or two sentences. I think that we put on upon ourselves, like, Oh, I need to journal. It needs to be a certain amount of pages, (laughs) all this predetermined, whatever, write one sentence down. I feel horrible today. If that's the case, write it down, you know? And when you look back, like I did, I used to look at patterns. I started realizing certain things and I just started to to just look at life differently, you know? So I would say just start small. 
don't don't feel like you have to do it every single day also right don't and but then don't beat yourself up about it too right if you don't do it you do it once a week or something right don't go oh i didn't do this every day again right take all these rules and regulations off yourself you know you're you know we all do it to ourselves i've been there done that you know let's start out small yeah i think we have a set level of expectation both of of journaling certainly but more on the grander scale of grief. We have an idea, like you said, that it's linear, which it is not, that it is something, a problem to be solved, which it is not, that it comes to an end, which it really doesn't. But the resolution you can find internally in your sense of self and in even how you interact with your losses can shift tremendously. And I love that journaling was such a catalyst for you to launch into this new version of who you are. It's really quite beautiful. Yeah. And I, like I said, in the discovery of all of it, I, like I said, I've been writing all of my life. So probably since high school, I was always journaling or writing things down. I, I would observe things of life, right. Just in general. And I would write them down. I was always what one would call like this old soul at the young age, you know, that I was as a teen. But I remember a few teachers and in college, some professors saying to me, oh, you know, they would read my papers and they said, we think you have a gift here. You know, we think you could write, but I never looked at it as going into the profession for that. You know, it was, again, I came from humble means, you know, Latin background, you know, single mom, a lot of struggles economically. So we were already behind the eight ball. So it wasn't something that, you know, cause the teachers did tell her that, that I think you may have a gifted writer, but she wouldn't have encouraged that at that point because of society basically right culturally it was like nope you got to bring home a, a paycheck a study you know making sure so I didn't I never explored that but I realized now I think I had this inner gift but I, I also think part of it is me connecting with my emotions I don't think it's just me writing I think that I feel certain things and I'm able to connect with my emotions and because my writing is raw people can then relate to it and say you know what I feel that too which how she just described that that's a lot of the feedback that I'm, I'm getting Love that. Speaking of some feedback, there is a sentence in your book that I wanted to read to you because I I read it and I deeply related to it. And then the coach in me says, oh, I could see why people would hate to read that. So I want to read it to you and then ask you a question. So you wrote, if it rains, I don't wish for the sun. I thank the drops coming down around me for nourishing the earth and replenishing all. And so that sounds like a practice of gratitude, right? Recognizing I cannot control this, but I can express gratitude and find what's here for me. But for someone in the depths of grief who is struggling to make the next right decision for themselves, would this be a book that you would recommend for someone in that situation or based on knowing what I know of you now and the hopefulness that you carry is this maybe one that you'd say, take this for when you're ready to chew on hope again? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I just got chills when you asked that question because I, I actually yeah. thought about that question this morning about someone else who I met up with actually, who I was thinking about suggesting the book to her. And I had, I meditated on it about it, to be honest with you. And I realized, no, to, to, I must pass it along and say, here, read this when you're ready. Because it just, again, it shows the differences in how I grieved during both instances. So it gives that example. But then, again, I talk about grieving for myself, right? That lost self-love. So it gives that aspect of it too. So I want to say that I think it's, it's a book that will help people. So I would recommend it to someone who's struggling and seeing that hope. Because I think that there are so many different pockets of hope in there. And I know there are. And I, I know it'll get someone on the road where they need to be. Maybe not exactly where I am, but it'll get them on that path. But the, there's a young lady I spoke to the other day. And, you know, I know that she lost her mother a few years ago. And she said she was. it was great to speak to me because she realized how much hope that there was because of speaking to me that it was making her hopeful and making her 
you know, smile inside that she could get, she could get there. So that's what I'm trying to do. That was the purpose of this. You know, it, it's like I said, a very private, private story. So it was hard for me to open up. I, I wasn't that even on social media before all of this, everything. So this is a whole big, you know, woo, but I'm, I'm working my way through it. <laughs> uh, working. We all are. We're all still working yeah. our way through social media. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love to hear that because hopefulness is something that's really hard to believe in when you're in the middle of grief. And it sounds like your book also touches on ambiguous grief, such as the loss of self or loss of sense of self, especially at a young age, which is something so prevalent, so prevalent and so inherently hopeless because we can't heal what we can't see or feel, right? So that vulnerability that you present in your book and the way that you allow readers an opportunity to look inward at someone who is at their most raw and their most brokenhearted and you invite them in creates such a safe space. It creates trust and it creates an opportunity for other people to say, well, maybe if she's able to be honest about falling apart, perhaps then I can also drop the facade and fall apart in my own life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause like I said to you, right. I, I had that facade going for a long time, right? All the clothes, everything was looking great. I looked great externally. <laughs> it was like, well, she's doing good. And and like I said, I tell people I wasn't completely miserable, but I wasn't as completely good as it appeared to be. Yeah. I love that so. you said, get your, I had the act together. Cause now I'm going to hear someone, if ever someone says, get your act together. I'm like, that's a red flag. I don't <laughs> want to get my act together. My act is very effective and it will be terrible for all of us. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Well, Jennifer, I don't want to stop talking to you because this is really lovely, but we're coming up on the end of our time. So my question then would be, where can newly on social media, Jennifer be found? I'm I'm on Instagram and uh, Facebook, Jennifer M. Alamani on both. And I have my website, Jennifer M. Alamani.com also. And your book is available on Amazon? Amazon and Book Baby. I published with Book Baby. Uh, they're a self publisher, okay. so they're, they're available there as well. Fantastic. Well, I'll make sure to have all that in the show notes so everybody can run out and buy your book because it sounds like just an absolutely perfect little piece of hope and brightness as we end year two of the pandemic. So, <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I hope it brings light, light. I hope it brings light to, to many folks. I'm confident that it will. Thank you for being on my show today, Jennifer. <laughs> Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to episode 32 of Restorative Grief. It can feel overwhelming to think about writing your biggest fears, thoughts, and emotions on paper. And often in my line of work, clients will say that journaling is a thing best saved for writers, but I completely disagree. I love this quote from author Ann Patchett on the subject. She writes, Writing is a job, a talent, but it's also the place to go in your head. It is the imaginary friend you drink your tea with in the afternoon. Jennifer's book and journaling practice came from the most honest place in her heart, just writing to her friend, her love. So even if you're hesitant, I would recommend taking a page from her playbook and at least giving it a try. If this is your first time listening to Restorative Grief, I want to thank you for trusting a stranger to talk about loss. Please take a moment to subscribe, leave a review, and consider sharing this episode with someone else who encourages you to try journaling through loss, because it's always nice to hear that your advice is meaningful. If you want to connect about this more or just talk through your own story, you can find me active on Twitter and Instagram at at Mandy Capehart. 
You can also check out the show notes for a link to join the Restorative Grief Project. And one last thing, please remember the only solution for grief is to do the work of grieving. Thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Thank you.